everyone, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. The show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. I'm Rugby Rage again, and we're coming to you via Eon Sports Radio, or from our website, Green and Gold Rugby. That's the home of all things rugby in Australia. Joining me, as per usual tonight, is the one and only Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm good, although bloody hot. Stinking hot. Stinking hot up here too, but I don't think it's bad down there. And Hugh Cavill as well. How are you going, Hugh? Oh, I'm good, Reg. I'm good. After the season's over, it's it's a bit of a weird feeling. I'm talking to relatives. I'm talking to friends. I haven't seen <laughs> uh, in ages. It's I'm, I'm, I've got a newfound meaning in life. It's great. I'm I'm taking up hobbies. I'm learning languages. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing what it frees up in your life. <laughs> yes. Actually doing well, I, reckon, work. I reckon you've got about <laughs> I reckon you've got about six weeks until it all back again. So oh, okay. make the most. Okay. All right, now, guys, it is Christmas time, of course, and uh, only, uh, I guess, a week and a bit away. So, you know, the time of cheer and goodwill uh, as staff members across Australia and, and beyond are awkwardly organising Chris Kringle presents or Secret Santa presents for their colleagues. So here's your chance, lads. It's, it's time for you uh, to do your own Secret Santa. I wanted, if you could uh, be Secret Santa for anyone in Australian rugby or, or, I guess, even world rugby, who would it be and what would you give them? Matt, I'll, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, alrighty. So um, mine would be I've got two actually. Um, a couple of presents that, that give people a couple of uh, messages. Um, you know, spreading these messages um, of cheer across the world. First one would be a bottle of hand cream for Dane Coles, um, <laughs> which I think, uh, yeah, just you know, gives him a message about where I think he fits in uh, world rugby at the moment. <laughs> Um, and then my second one would be a mugachino of concrete um, for Mike Brown, uh, <laughs> just to help him next time somebody accidentally bumps into him on a rugby pitch. Um, yeah, just help him to harden up a bit, so uh, yeah, he doesn't kind of fall apart like that and accidentally draw you know Team Out's attention to every time someone bumps into him. So yeah, they're, they're my two secret Santas, both fairly inexpensive, under twenty bucks, I reckon. I think that works well. Well done. What about you, Hugh? Who have you drawn, and what are you getting them? I've I've got a couple too. I've drawn. I think we've got two each. Haven't we? we've drawn two each? And look, one I was quite prepared actually. Um, I went out and bought at the sales because it's, they're cheap at the moment. I got David Pocock, and I've bought him a uh, one of those wind a windsheeted jacket, uh, a thick windsheeted jacket because going to Japan and and um, you know he's going to be there for a while. And I know he he, he loves the environmental stuff. So I think. Uh, I, I'm going to make the assumption he's going to be spending a lot of time chasing after whaling ships, um, <laughs> Japan, and he's going to need that. Uh, it gets pretty breezy and cold out there, so a jacket. And I've, look, I've done the classic forget forget on my second one. I got I drew the Western Force, um, and um, so all I've I've run in run down the street to the newsagent and I bought them a ten dollar scratchy because I think the two things they need in 2017 are, are luck and money. So hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the scratchy can can cover off both of those, and maybe they can buy some players or just sort of save their club generally. Nice work, Hugh. And I'll just give that a tick. We've mentioned the Western Force this uh, podcast, so I think our obligations are done to them as well. So uh, we're good to get that over and done with early. Yearly ob- obligation, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, my, my, mine's to the Fijian Rugby Union as, as a whole or the, the committee there. and Just a DVD of, of the Olympics and the, the Sevens competition then, just to the, for them to remember the glory days. They've come out swinging this week. I don't know if you saw it. Having a go at their, their former coach, Ben Ryan, for passing a few comments on social media this week. Oh. And, and they're almost already cutting, cutting the umbilical cord to, to uh, magical Ben Ryan there. And Ben's, uh, Ben's taking it rather personally, but... Uh, you know, he achieved quite a bit for those guys. I, I don't know if they should be making uh, such outlandish comments so early. So we'll see how that all pans out. Isn't that Iron Lion Ben Ryan? Like, exactly this, right. How is this gone so too? That gives a bit more info. I've completely missed that, Rich. So who said what? Oh, mate, I, think, I think Ben Ryan came out first after the... Um, uh, our first two sevens tournaments of the year and making comments that... So they haven't appointed a full-time coach yet. They haven't contracted their players as yet. And Ben Ryan's come out and sort of made uh, some statements about uh, when uh, Fiji going to um, have... Imagine what they could achieve with full-time contracted players. And Fiji Rugby Union have released a... Um, I guess you'd call it some sort of a statement of retort, um, having a go back at Ben Ryan and saying he's... We've moved on from Ben. He's doing his own thing now. He chose to leave. He shouldn't comment on what's going on anymore, which um, which I thought was a little bit disrespectful to the man, for man, what he's achieved for yeah. uh, that country in their first gold medal. Yeah, without and not being paid for like a year or something, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Apart, apart from that, what, what has he ever done for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the yeah. All right, lads. So it's, it's a bit of a... Um, it is our last podcast of the year or, or rugby show for the year that obviously the season's well and truly wrapped up bit of sevens uh, early next year but we're done for the year so we do- thought we'd do the normal thing as a lot of podca- podcasts do at this time of year and, and lo- look back at the season as some sort of season review and we're going to do a bit of an awards type program still in our format somewhat of the five burning questions and i'll run through the awards or the questions where we're going to tick off tonight so number one is number one is what's your highlight of the season and, and we'll all answer these and have a, a, a bit of a debate and come up with our solution. Question two is the low light of the season. Question three, who has been the best Australian rugby player this year? Question four is no definitive. We'll all have a chat about this. Is, is what's your wish for 2007? And we threw that out on uh, Twitter and Facebook today. And we've got some responses as well. And question five, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit or enjoy some of our own work. And our favourite podcast guest on Green and Gold Rugby this year. So we'll have a chat about that too. But let's get stuck straight into it. Um, and we'll ask you, what's been your highlight of the Australian Rugby a uh, rugby year. Um, let's start with you, Hugh. Well, I think I think this is the, this is an easy one, uh, Reg. And I, I don't know what everyone else is going to say, but it has to be our um, our Olympic gold medal, courtesy of the women's sevens team. Um, I mean, what a, what a moment that was, and I'll remember that for a long, long time. Around uh, the office on a, on a, a weekday morning, and and everyone crowded around the TV, and it was it was a real throwback moment to 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 glory days of, uh, of Australian rugby past where we all huddled around TV screens and watched us win tournaments and win um, uh, big games. And, and it was sensational to see um, our women come through like that after, you know, I was nervous for them through the whole tournament, even though they were the best team all year, but they came to play and, and they won the, the final in pretty emphatic, emphatic style. No refereeing controversies, no, um, no, you know, mistakes from New Zealand or anything to give them any excuse. We uh, completely shut them out, and um, you know, some of the and 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 these guys are now heroes. You know, Charlotte Kaslick and Alicia Quirk and 
and um, Elia Green, and, and the list goes on, Reg. Um, it was certainly my moment of the year, and, and, and helped by the fact that the Wallabies didn't do much. But uh, uh, it, regardless of, you know, the Wallabies would have had to have done a lot of, of good things to top up, to, to top that moment, and um, and they never got there. So that has to be it, the, the Olympic gold medal. Fair call here. We might come back to you at that. Matt, thoughts on that? Give us your first, uh, your highlight of the year first. Well, look, and I was just going to say, just, you know, and as I think you mentioned within that, to double down on it was it was against uh, the Kiwis, right? So it, you know, really yep. couldn't have been sweeter um, from that perspective. Look, having taken that one, because <laughs> I, I do agree that was a very, very sweet moment. Um, actually, for me personally, um, it was getting along to the Shoot Shield final um, here in uh, North Sydney. Uh, and, um, you know, seeing, you know, uh, North Sydney take that for the first time and whatever it was, what was it? 30, 40 years or whatever, um, and the nature of, of the win for the team. It was also just the occasion. It was just bloody great um, to get along there and just had a great vibe, um, you know, apart from the odd uh, riot on the hill that had to be broken up with <laughs> pepper spray um, in front of my son. So, yeah, apart from that, no, but look, it was just, you know, and... and yeah, the, have you got your... Did you get did you get your eyes checked out after that, Matt? Sorry, I know that pepper spray did a lot of damage to, to, to you and that... <laughs> My nasal sort of passages still haven't kind of fully recovered, but um, <laughs> yeah, it definitely cleared them out. But look, yeah, so that was just a, it was just a great afternoon. Anyone I know, and it was what was really touching about it as well was, you know, just as I walked in the ground there, like I just kept bumping into people I knew. So you really felt like, you know, the real there was a real rugby community kind of vibe going on there, and it was quite reaffirming and very interesting in a year when you know we've had these. Massive stoush, um, but between this part of the rugby community and the ARU and all the rest of it, so it was pretty poignant as well. I think um, that you know they had a great turnout and it was a great afternoon um, to see uh, you know North Sydney you know do so well as well. Um, you know after all that time with some really great coaching because the team didn't have a lot of superstars in it, um, but uh, that was yeah that was really good to see. Awesome. Great experience. And I know the uh, brothers winning the grand final up here in Brizzo was a, a similar, uh, uh, you know, sort of grassroots experience that I really enjoyed. But mine's a little bit different. I'll, I'll talk about the Olympics in a second, but I, mine, Olympics is taken, is the NRC related, as you'd expect. But the Western Sydney Rams, I, I just, I, you know, I, I keep getting coming back to the fact that I, I wrote those guys off. I didn't recognise any of them. Um, I, I, I thought they'd be easy beats of the tournament. And... By the time the tournament, I reckon, finished two weeks too, too early for the Rams, they were on a roll. They were playing sensational rugby. They they turned up probably 13, 14 players that, look, unless you're a diehard rugby fan or a diehard Shield, Shield fan, you probably didn't know. And they were playing fantastic rugby. And, and as we had Jeremy Paul on the show, he, uh, he admitted that if they'd had a couple of weeks early they could have they could have done wonders with them but the performances they put on you know they they uh they were really pushing for that that finals berth at the end um but the whole story around it you know obviously western sydney is this sort of almost mythological region of, of new south wales that supposedly doesn't get serviced as we would all hope it's this future growth corridor growth center for rugby um the fact that they so brilliantly engaged with the the you know the pacific population um out there and they had really passionate crowds coming along i just think the rams did such a wonderful thing um for the nrc and i wish they had got a bit more uh acclaim towards the end but i think they they definitely built on and they can hopefully they can build again next year can i um 
before, and we'll talk a bit more about Olympic gold, but what's the three, three, uh, what's the link between those three occasions there, guys? Anyone, anyone got it? Oh. Uh, yes. Like, I, an, an Australian team won something. Uh, <laughs> close. I reckon they are, the ARU had minimal involvement with them. Ooh. Now, admittedly, ad- admittedly. I think, okay, oh, you go first, Reg. Western Sydney Rams, they didn't touch. You know, the, the, no, the NRC, they left it up to the clubs. The, the Shoot Shield, we know their involvement there. Weren't they at the Rainbrook races that day at all? But that grand final, they weren't involved. Even the women's... Um, Australian women's team, and we know their history. And Timmy Walsh acknowledging the the uh, you've got some resources behind that. A lot of it provided by the Australian Sports Commission, the Australian Olympic Committee, but they recruited from outside the system. You know, Walsh went out there and found athletes and touch play uh, touch players and hockey players and rugby league players outside the Australian rugby system. Our three highlights of this year, all from outside the Australian traditional rugby system. That's my yeah. I think I think that's I think you've clarified a bit there towards the end, Rich, because I think in <clears throat> in terms of the Australian sevens, I think in, so in the women's scene, I don't think there is there was a rugby system at all, really, or no. you know there was one, but it was very very amateurish, and and I think the ARU can take a lot of credit in the foresight they had with allowing you know these open trials to be held and having the you know recruiting from outside and and. Um, you know, um, having this really innovative approach to to, to approach the game, and, and then putting them putting their money where their mouth is, and, and whether the money comes from the AOC or the ASC or wherever, to to pay these guys competitive wages and be, I think, the first Australian you know team that's full time professional and compensated well, um, is is I think a real credit to everyone. I think um, you know, that's um, that's one I think where success has 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 many fathers. Um, Particularly John O'Neill. Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, um, I think like they'll they'll tell you they'll be the first to tell you that. As that scandalously leaked email, where did that even come from? How did they get hold of that? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. amazing! With some deep hacking there and involved, yeah, the I think really, really the yeah, Russians. Yeah, was, yeah. that's what I think. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, can we get to a winner on that one? I, I I'd like to. I think it's pretty clear that um, yeah, we, we can nominate the uh, the Australian women's team's gold there. I think for the first green and gold goldie of, of the year, um, which the is gag. Not, the gagger, goldie, the goldie, the gagger. We can't goldie. come up with these terms on the fly. <laughs> Just did. Uh, yeah, so I've got to go. I've got to go and put on my tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, the gold gagger. <laughs> Burning question number six might be, what are we calling these awards? But we'll get back to that if we've got enough time. <laughs> Usual organisation, yeah. But, but without a doubt, the Olympic uh, women's sevens team, they were sensational. And, and like you say, Hugh, that's one of those moments like watching Cathy Freeman win in Sydney and, and uh, even going back and watch, remembering uh, Johnny Sieben in 84. Um, one of those Olympic moments that will stand in my memory for a long time. So... Brilliant stuff there. But let's move on to question number two and, and just dull those those wonderful memories we've had there with the low light of the season. And, and um, there might be some crossover here too, so it might be a, a pretty easy vote as well. But, Matt, uh, let's go straight to you. Well, look, I, I'm going to let... <laughs> there is a, okay, look, there's an undoubted low of that season, um, which was anyone who went and actually physically paid money and then... Uh, took themselves all the way out to Homebush and then stood in the crowd and watched that Sydney Bledisloe, which was basically all over Red Rover 
about what was it 20 minutes in um you know that thing had completely exploded um and i think a few people have said i think we talked about it on the podcast you about how basically everyone just kind of just started chatting amongst themselves for the second half <laughs> because the game yeah. was so fully over um yeah that was a that was a shocker that was a disaster and you know it came after and i so what i put this on top of um is having seen you know having seen us lose in i actually then went i went before that i've been to two two of the pommy tests so brisbane and sydney so i had those two kick in the nuts so and then uh, followed up by going out to homebush so that really capped off you know and uh you know an international season it felt by that stage so yeah that that sydney bled i think that was a bit of a i think for everybody that was a low low point wasn't it you're you're not going to counter that are you no i won't counter that i think that that was a pretty clear one a couple of other ones if i if i had to nominate (laughs) um look i think the uh the ongoing sort of public spat between um bill pulver and and Brett Papworth and Bob Dwyer and the sort of, you know, the Shoot Shield clubs against the ARU or, you know, a couple of the Shoot Shield clubs. Uh, I think it just, regardless of what side you take, um, and we've certainly discussed it at length on, on this podcast, I think it's unseemly and neither side really have covered themselves in glory um, with remarks that have been made and, and um, p- trying to pit the rugby community against each other, uh, themselves. I, I think it is, um, you know, we're seeing it across actually a lot of codes at the moment. These sort of these clubs versus um, administration uh, debate, and it's just very unseemly. And I think in a time where we wanted to be, you know, harnessing our support towards the Wallabies and towards um, all of our teams, um, to, to see this and and and, and um, yeah, look, it's it, it leaves a sour taste. And the other one I'd, I'd suggest as a low light. In terms of an on-field moment, that I think really affected our season, and one that I was thinking back on this week actually, because it's been quite topical, is um, the injury to Kurtley Beale. And I, I really think this could have been his breakout year. He was having a sensational year for the Waratahs, or you know, his second breakout year really, um, mm. a, a renaissance, if you will. And he was—he would have just made such a difference to our Wallaby side. And looking back at it now, I think it really was one of the turning points of the year. Um, and so. Yeah, to be without him for the season, you just wonder what could have been if we had him at, in, you know, in that 12 jersey, but it um, wasn't to be. Yeah, can I just pick up on what you were saying there, Hugh, about the ARU and the clubs and say, yeah, I completely agree with you that the ARU really has to look at itself very hard about that. <laughs> but um, also, oh, uh, no, no, no. So, but uh, serious for a minute, though, I was just reflecting today. It's like, when was the last time you heard anything from Bill Pulver? Oh, I agree. This is constantly on my mind. But I reckon it was... I reckon I made this comment maybe two weeks after the Olympics. He obviously came out with the with the women's gold, yeah. but there's been bugger all since. Absolutely nothing. He's just fallen off the face of the face of the earth. Like, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing, though? Well, as a guy who's Mate, supposed, to think, be, think... supposed to be leading the game, I mean, you know, and we're kind of, you know, pretty much in the shit. Um, I, you know, isn't that where leadership you kind of come through? I mean, put it back, put it another way around. I mean, you know, there were some things about John O'Neill that. Not all of us kind of liked by the end, but especially in his pomp. I mean, you know, he you know he was always out there setting agendas. And for example, when you know if if a coach was under fire and the team was everywhere else, he could always go out there and just you know throw a few lefts and rights, you know, and stir things up and sort of change direction or you know push the media around a bit or you know get a conversation going in the right direction that he wanted. I mean, there's zero of that going on. That's for sure. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can. 
How do you argue that that kind of vacuum is a good thing? Well, because yeah. I think the thing is that, I mean, if I had to counter that, and I, I take your point, but I think rugby, people want to be talking about rugby. They want to be talking about the game. They want to be talking about Michael Checker and Bernard Foley and the players and the coaches. That's what people care about. Um, the administration, well, if you've got nothing, you know, if you've got no- nothing good happening, well, I don't think people want to see Bill Pulver out there like a politician, like a, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. I, I, you know, we've had recently some pretty good news on the participation front in terms of the schools, and maybe he should be out selling that a bit better than, than what he did um, and not relying on us to pick that up and, and talk about it ourselves. But um, it's, uh, it, yeah, look, I, I, I can see why it's better that – I hope it means he's working behind the scenes, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But I, I see I see your point. Yeah, I think that's the key. I mean, we're not seeing much out of the ARU at the moment. It's, it's been a terrible year. It's um, – you see the Wallabies, the Super Rugby, uh, you know, the, the, the TV, all these sorts of things are adding up. And I think we just need some sort of reassurance. Maybe we just need a little pat on the back, someone telling us thing, everything's going to be – Okay, and we're not getting nada from uh, from the DAU at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. Um, look, my uh, low lot of the season, and I, you know, there's been plenty. I mean, uh, Queens and Reds, the the whole debacle of the coaching was just oh, ridiculous. Okay. The the reappointment of Richard Graham, two games in, him getting the axe, co interim head coaches for the rest of the season, um, and then Nick Styles getting reappointed at the end of the season, which I'm not necessarily against, but considering everything we've went through, everything that's gone on and all the, the, the supposed research, uh, you know, job-seeking, it, it's come back to Stalsy there, um, who was there all along. That was one. If you broaden that, the Australian Super Rugby season as a whole was just, you know, we're so far behind um, the, the New Zealand teams and, and that set the standard for the rest of the year, unfortunately. But, you know, if there was one moment or, or, or sort of thing that sort of just brought it all to a light to me, it was when that Wallaby, and I can't remember, it must have been the Welsh test, was not on free to air. Um, uh, and that just typified to me mm. how low r- rugby has got in Australia. I-, I can't remember the last time that I wasn't able to watch a Wallaby test on free to air, and someone probably correct us and say it was only three years ago, you, you fool. But, you know, I- 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 it just becomes such a standard that, you know, you'd be able to watch any Wallaby test you could. didn't need Fox to watch the Wallabies, and, and that changed. And, um, you know, thankfully SBS came to the party, but to think that there was a test match being played against a team like Wales... Um, that wouldn't be on TV, wouldn't be on free to air, and that, you know, what, 70%, 75% of the nation couldn't watch. Just just showcase to me um, how low things had gone. So that was uh, that was a big one in a, in a big year, I think. No, definitely. Look, just a, one other point, just get, get, taking one little step back on the whole why has Bill Puffer gone completely silent. I just wonder if it's like there ain't a lot. I mean, to your point, um, Hugh, oh, there was those participation figures, which I... I sense we had the cherries picked and, and fed up to us because yeah. um, for two years now I've been asking the AAU to see the you know um, the participation figures and I either get the run around or I just get no's or I get well ask us tell us which number you want to see and we might send it to you um, so there's there's clearly something in these reports that when we're not allowed to see um, yet they're happy to kind of pick out a few numbers and ping them out to us um, but I I just wonder so putting those to one side though. Like, I, I just get this sense that Pulver's looking at a bunch of stuff and going, holy crap, you know, that television deal was supposed to make everything okay. And I think he's looking across the board at every super rugby team, looking, you know, heading towards probably like, you know, it's the round figure seems to be about 800 to a million buck loss each, at least. 
Um, and I think he's just looked at those and he's just gone, my God, they're just about to eat up. Anything I thought was going to go towards any sort of development has just gone out the window. It's, we're just going to be lucky to hold on to these super rugby teams. Um, mm. and, and, what, and what they've got brewing there, where at the same time, he's gone to them and said, um, by the way, guys, we're going to lop off, was it 500 grand from what we give you? You're actually going to have less this year in 2017 than you had in 2016. Um, and you were posting losses then. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there's some, you know, if you could see fully what those books look like, I don't think, I don't know, I think there's some big question marks, which maybe he's kind of sitting on top of. But that's just a, I just wonder. So, um, who's, yeah, getting, no. who, who's getting the golden gagger? Can we just go to the RU? <laughs> it's got to be the first. It's got to be the first Bledisloe, hasn't it? God, I'm still. I still wake up in the middle of the night, <laughs> screaming. Yeah, cold sweats. Dane bloody cold streaking down the wing. Somebody oh, tackle him! Oh god. Oh. Yeah. No, I reckon it's got to go. That's my vote as well. All right. Happy with that. That's happy with that. Um, all right. We're going to move on to the next question and. Uh, Burning question number three, award number three, is who's been the best Australian rugby player of the year? Um, I might start with this one, lads, because tomorrow morning we I'll, um, I'll give you a scoop tonight, but we'll uh, publish the article on the Green and Gold uh, Wallaby Player of the Year. I think this is the eighth year we've done it, and who will be named tomorrow morning is our little halfback, Will Genia. Um, so this is a, the we get everyone to vote every after every match three two ones we accumulate those who gets the most votes and that all goes to the end of year award and would you believe Genia despite missing the three English tests and two more tests uh, at the end of year tour uh, you know streaked the field they didn't streak the field but one reasonably comfortable um, it was only sort of Hooper picked up man of the match in the last test that sort of got him close but Genia won that from Hooper uh, with Pocock and Hallett but he not too far away and. Remarkable had a, a rugby championship where, from according to the Green and Gold rugby readers, he I think he won uh, man of the match in all but one game. So uh, a remarkable performance by Genia coming back from uh, France or coming back from injury, in fact, and it was incredible. So there's there's your first nomination, guys. Um, uh, what about you, Matt? Who do you well, want to throw into? First of all, I, yeah, I just yeah, I mean, you know, I need to talk about Russian hacking. I think the that I think the hacking for that might have come from over the border. Oh come on! Man, he played like <laughs> two matches. How the hell does he sweep it? Anyway, look, no, I do agree. He um, he was on some hot form this year, and I think uh, actually probably played better than I think we'd ever seen him because I think his game moved yeah. on. Um, yeah, look, I think he was really think that was really really good. Uh, okay, so uh, kind of knowing where I think Hugh was going to go with this one. Um, so, but I'm gonna I've got to say it because it's what I believe in. Um, you know, Charlotte Caslick, I just think yep. uh, she was um, outstanding out of probably any rugby player on earth this year. I thought she was so head and shoulders above her competition. Um, and not only that, um, it wasn't just, a, you know, within the women's sevens game. I just thought some of the skills mm. and abilities that she showed, um, you just, you know, just, you know, even just pound for pound, I thought was you know, definitely better than the Aussie men's sevens team, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I just thought she was head and shoulders above. Sean, um, you know, when it counted as well, um, really led that team and, yeah, just kind of just blew the, the whole field away. So, yeah, I thought she was head and shoulders and she would be my pick. 
Yeah, she's amazing. What I love about Kazlik is, and you touched on it there, you can see her brain. She knows where she's going. She's almost like Wally Lewis. She's she's working a couple of phases ahead, yeah. but she's also got these skills to get you there. You know, it's, it's one thing to have to see where the gap is or where the play needs to go, but the other thing is being able to make it happen, and, and she does it. I think her skills, her passing is amazing, her, her turn of speed, her... her um, her uh, ability to sort of change direction is just remarkable. And then defence. I mean, we saw her in cover defence, her one-on-one defence. Even the first, the Dubai tournament this year, so many um, sort of last line of defence tackles. She was superb. So before we gush too much longer, because I, I agree with you for that one, but uh, I had to give the Will Genia there too. But but let's hear, Hugh. What about you? You've got uh, a couple of options as well, maybe? Yeah, well, look, Will Genia, I mean, I can't disagree with the two that have been stated. Will Genia had a, had a sensational year when we thought, I think, his best days might have been behind him. Um, recapturing yep. that running game, you know, that, those educated little little darts around the ruck and, and um, back-scoring tries and bobbing up. You know, that, I remember that Argentina game in Perth where I think it was a charge-down kick and he bobbed up and scored another try there as well. And, and that knack he had for scoring tries, which was the hallmark of when he was in his prime around 2010, 2011. Um, yep, Charlotte Kazakh as well. Can't dispute that. She's had a sensational year. If I had to throw a third name in, a little bit left field, but a guy that I think by the end of the year was one of our top top two or three players, and that's um, yeah, Dane Haylett Petty. Well, look, I mean, Reg, you, you're rocking, but, mate, I'm, you've, I've never seen someone play against a shadow team so well on the training paddock. <laughs> he was um, he was carving up. Um, no, um, Dane, Dane Hallett-Petty, um, who I um, I think started the year as a, as, a, as a really promising sort of outside back in a, in a team we thought might struggle and um, ended up being um, being this sort of true international quality winger um, and one, I dare say, one with a, with a really long feature in a Wallaby jersey and, and you know, battled away and probably held up that Western Force team. Um, that's the second mention, Matt, so I think we've, we're, 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 we're over our quota here. Ding. Um, can, but, we, can we push that um, into 2017? We can make that count. <laughs> we'll roll it over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, but um, basically carried that team through Super Rugby and came, came and you know, had a starring debut against um, England, fell away a bit against the All Blacks, but picked up. And by the end of the year, he was um, he was in sensational form. So, so if I had to get maybe a third person for that podium, I, I'll throw in Dane Hallett-Petty. Yeah, His is a remarkable development story, isn't he? The, the fact yeah. that he, you know, he played for the Force so young, and if you remember that fantastic. Um, Van Humphrey's uh, um, YouTube video he did, Keep Rolling, 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 uh, of the, the Reds when they played the Force. And, and Dane had one of the all-time great stuff-ups in that game and, and uh, ended up gifting a try to Scott Higginbotham. Went overseas to France for a couple of years and comes back just such a polished performer. It's, it's tremendous to see where he is now. Yeah, no, it is indeed. Just while we're on the... Because seeing as though we just can't stop talking about the Force... Um, I noticed this week that they've announced co-captains. How the hell does that work? So is it, isn't it um, Big Dog and... Reds have had co-captains. Reds have co-captains and co-coaches. <laughs> Co-interim. Um, look, I think, the, I think the, the plan is that, is that uh, Benny McCalman will be on-field captain and Heath Tessman is the off-field captain. And I... And I you know, I got to experience the role of a captain in in these professional sporting teams is massive, and they do a lot of off field work. So that might just be a chance for uh, for uh, them to share that load. And you know, I think that makes sense. Heath's 
you would imagine, has got to start on the bench behind Tatafu. So, uh, you know, there's some sort of, I guess, sense of that. We'll see. Well, they both seem like great guys. I can't say they don't deserve it, but I just, I don't know, feels a little fudgy. But there you go. Yep. Leadership teams. All right, so conclusion there. Are we, we sticking with Kazlik? Yeah, my vote. She's got, she's got my vote. Yep. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Sensational. Come on, Hugh, stop voting against her. Come on. <laughs> Sexist. Yeah. Stop being so politically correct. Yeah, it's just you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> can I can I throw in a little statistic here that I'm I'm um I've just been sent just just a little bit of a, a break in um proceedings, but um there's a there's a South African website goalkickers.co.za yeah. and yep. they've put out their rankings of goal kickers for 2016 of all the kickers that have taken a certain amount of shots. And there's 49 of them that have been ranked. Um, Mr. Bernard Foley comes in 47th. Um, oh, really? And the only the only thing that comes in the only thing that's uh, I think uh, the other talking point is the person who's 49th is Bowden Barrett. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's a pretty phenomenal side, isn't it? That sort of um, takes into consideration difficulty of shot and all those sorts of things as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm, you, I'm trying to find out where... Um, but Gigi fell, where, because, because I saw some stats from that side yeah. uh, maybe two weeks you know, the, before the last two tests, and Foley was like sixth or something. He, he, I thought he was doing really, really well. Um, but that have been, might have been for the month or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they break it down, and I think this is the year-end one. But um, Yeah, because he did have I, a shocking... I, I don't know how... Yeah. how um, you know, he's had a 75% record for the year, which I think you'd probably take if you, um, if you're. Um, and look, I think the ranking system, looking at a couple of guys around him, you know, the bloke above him has only took four kicks and had one from four. So I'm not sure <laughs> that makes him above. Well, I, I think, 54 I think, from 73. So here yeah. we go. So number first is Greg Laidlaw, who's hit 47 out of 55. Oh, yeah, um, for the year. Second is Owen Farrell with 70 from 88. Um, and um, Paddy Jackson uh, from Ireland is third with 27 from 31. So showing you that the level you need to be up up there and um, yeah, then going down to, to old Bernie down below. Anyway, uh, something to work on for next year. I think what works against Foley is he doesn't take hard shots. You know, he doesn't go too oh. much distance, which some of those guys start, do. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, think he's, right. he's prone to missing the easy one. I think those sorts of things in that statistical thing sort of work against him. So. Mm. Hey, yeah. look, I just wanted to throw out, we did throw it out to social media, some of the, the other Wallaby players of the year, and, and they're the same sort of names, um, uh, Lawrence Hooper and PFK Peak, at PFK Peak. We're with you, uh, Hugh, with THP, uh, at Where the Marty At, uh, went with Will Genia. Um, we did have a David Pocock at Scott Rowe, uh, one of our Melbourne fans, um, uh, uh, went for Pocock. George Hoddle went for Adam Coleman, so another unheralded force player. And uh, at Cider Super, uh, went for Michael Hooper. So some good names there. But uh, as I said, the article tomorrow, the Player of the Year, will be up uh, early tomorrow morning, so you'll be able to catch it there. Yeah, my, my, my honourable mention there was going to be Michael Hooper, who, did he play every yeah. minute of every international match again this year? No, the, the French game, he would have missed. Ah, oh, of course, right, yeah, all right. But, but you're right, mate. He was phenomenal. Oh, but isn't that like two years in a row where he's, you know... You know, if for any match he's started, he's played 80 minutes. Um, he does get Simbin fairly frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, right. Yeah, he's had a few rests. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All 
All right, let's get on to our next question, our next award. And this is not so much award, but a discussion point, and it's looking ahead to next year. Uh, and, and it's your Christmas wish for 2017. Um, I'm going to start with you, Hugh, uh, and I think this sort of relates back to one of your previous ones. So what, what do you wish for in 2017? Well, it's, it, seems, it seems ridiculous. It seems such a, such a pie-in-the-sky dream after what we've spoken about. But I think my wish for 2017 is to win the Bledisloe. I, I, I legitimately think the way it's set up now is is that really we're only a chance every second year, yeah. given that um, you know we will have will be hosting two games. I don't think we've got it in us to win one, let alone two, over in New Zealand. So you know, and that's 2017. We've got a game in Sydney and a game in Brisbane. We've got um, you know the All Blacks. You, you hope showing some signs of vulnerability in the in the late stages of 2016 and, and coming into a, a Lions series that's going to be pretty demanding um, next year. So you think they might be a little bit weary, a little bit uh, uh, of an injury toll. And look, I'd still be having them as very, very, very strong favourites. But um, you think this is our best, might be our best chance in a little while to, to knock them off. And, and if we can get our, if we can get it all together, who knows? We we. we at least if we can win the first game and, and set up a decider in Brisbane, um, who, who knows? We, we might um, just get a bit of energy back into the Bledisloe and, and um, fluke a, a win and <laughs> two, we can pay off some refs and you know a few dubious, <laughs> um, dubious decisions might help us. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm at that level. We get our Russian hackers on and, and <laughs> hack, some, hack, uh, hack some team tactics or I actually don't think New Zealand use computers for their team tactics. I think it's still yeah, bug some hotel room, you know, yeah, we, we, we're we, on the we right track. The, yeah. Yeah, we tried yeah. the bugging this year. It didn't work. More of that. More of that, I say. So um, that's, that's my wish for 2017. I'll blow this low and I'll take it by any means necessary. <laughs> Love it. Blow this low would be nice. I'm going to jump in now, Matt, before you, um, and, and look, there's a couple of little things. I'd love to see the four strong again. They've put a lot into this off season. Quade Cooper, back to the Reds. I'd love to see him that 2011 form. I still maintain that the stuff he did in that 2010-2011 season is some of the most magical stuff I've seen in a rugby field, up, with, up there with Camp, he's in his best. And if there's any way we can see that back again, um, I, I would love to see that. But overall, and it touches on, I think, uh, one of our lowlights of the season is a United Australian rugby. We are all over the place at the moment. You know, people talking out against people, obviously, have got the club versus uh, Super Rugby, what the NRC versus club... Um, uh, and it's just disparate as anything. And we need this united front. We need this united approach. We're all about making uh, the code stronger, about making the wallaby stronger, and, and everyone benefits along the way because uh, if we're not going to get that, we're just going to get further and further less relevant. So it's a, a real shame. That's my big wish for 2017. Um, Matt, are you, uh, well, well, you got well, something up your sleeve? Well, kumbai bloody uh, Rich, but <laughs> I've got something that, just fixes that, uh, changes right. the game. So, you know, people have been thinking, you know, and Pulver and the AOU and Accenture and all the other bloody consultants they've got involved have been talking about, oh, how do we fix Australian rugby? Do we do sevens? Do we do Viva sevens? Do we go to the Super 26? You know, what is it? What is it that's going to fix it all? And they've missed the obvious, mate. And the obvious is we need to take down AFL. Um, so take you, it down. Take it down. You think about it. We take down AFL, basically stamp it out from the Australian sporting landscape. It, everything's fixed. 
suddenly we've got you know plenty of player base, we've got plenty of talent, we've got plenty of sponsors. They need to stick their money somewhere. Obviously, it's going to come to rugby. Um, you've got you know schools, kids, you know running around. No more Oz Kick or whatever it's bloody called. Um, they fall straight into the arms of um, you know the, the Australian Rugby Union, um, and it's all over. Um, we're back. Uh, you know we've got half the uh, country back playing um, the sport they should be, they should be playing um, it's basically fixed so yeah basically that's all we need to do we need to take down AFL and I'm here to announce that Green and Gold Rugby is going to kick that off um, over the Christmas period you're going to see us um, starting to chip away at this get the campaign rolling um, and basically if we can you know if if we can you know take take this bugger down because look it, we've talked about this before it does nothing for Australia you exactly. Know. I mean, look, no, no bugger will touch this sport. You know, it's been around yep. for, what, 100 years? And it, let's face it, it hasn't caught on for a bloody good reason. No no tourism benefit. There's no British Lions tour in AFL. They're not bringing millions of dollars into the Australian economy. There, there's no Olympic medals coming from, from the AFL. I'm with you, Matt. I say nay AFL in 2017. Can we talk about the impact? You know, there was a time there when rugby and cricket walked hand in hand in the Australian sporting culture and mm. Eels and Steve Wall were the, were the kings of Australian sport. One in winter, one in summer and the, the, the Wallabies have been knocked around and now Australian cricket team's been knocked around. And do you know why Australian cricket's been knocked around? I know it's green and gold rugby, but let me divert this for a second. Bloody drop-in pitches at all these AFL fields around, around the country. Yeah. If we could keep, keep these cricket fields as cricket fields, not only would our, would have more uh, AFL players playing rugby, but our cricketers would be back on top of the game as well. We should also mention at this stage that Eon Sports Radio is uh, broadcast out of Melbourne, and we, <laughs> we love our Melbourne listeners. Um, but, <laughs> but, you sadly, but you are sadly deluded. I mean, look, and here's the thing. Is I think if we just get, this, just get these guys a chance to sit down and go, look, if I really look at this game, if I really sit here and look at it, it's a bullshit game. Right? It's quite clearly a game that a few kids in the backyard kind of made up. Um, you know, it's, it's that sort of game that a 10-year-old kind of goes, look, I don't know, we've got a couple of posts at the end, but what if I miss? Well, you know, I'll give you a point anyway. Don't worry about it. You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it hurts a bit to get tackled. Oh, we won't do tackles then. We'll just do hugs. You know, it's, 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 it's all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think if people, we can give people a bit of a rude slap, um, and I think the, the sort of the fog will clear and people will see that it's the only sensible thing for Australia as well. You're staying, oddly, you're staying oddly quiet here, Hugh. What, you, you, <laughs> for or against it? What's the story? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much for. Let, let's roll them out of town. I actually think um, we, it should be an act of parliament. You know, Malcolm Turnbull's an old yeah, yeah. rugby player. We've got enough in Tony Abbott. You know, let's get him back up there. And, I mean, the, 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 uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no politicians... Um, represent Melbourne or Victoria at all, so I don't think they, you know, they're in the minority. Get them out. <laughs> the Indeed. time is right. Yep, it's time to take back the take take back the pitches. All right, let's claim that one as the winner. I'm, I'm happy to support that one as the winner there. In AFL. Um, all right, our last one. Uh, so, favorite podcast guest of the year. And we've had a few. We've we've had uh, we started with Nathan Gray, and we had uh, a few coaches there. Andy Friend and Tim Walsh from the Sevens teams. We had uh, Greg Harris, formerly the Four CEO, and and has been a rugby administrator for a, a while. We've had former coaches and Bob Dwyer. We had Jed Holloway as a player. 
Um, we had Chris Dutton, Blocker Dutton, joined us and to really cover the Brumbies debacle that was this year as well. Mm, uh, the that. NRC, yeah, we had Peter Playford and Jeremy Paul from the from the NRC, the the coaches there, and then obviously Egg Chasers guys. So, looking at all that, Matt. Who was your favourite? I mean, and, and to be fair, our podcast has evolved a little bit, hasn't it? We used to get guests on maybe every week, every second week. Mm. We've sort of scaled back a bit and brought them in more uh, more rarely these days, but still some good quality there. Yeah, no, we've grown to love the sound of our own voices, I think, basically, is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is what's happened, and just gone with it. Uh, look, it, oh, gee, I just cast my mind back over that, and I was, think, I was remembering like the Jeremy Paul podcast where, did we ask a question or did he just, did he just go? <laughs> I think he went pretty well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, some great, some great guests on there. Um, look, I was going to give an honourable mention to Andy Friend because I learnt more about Sevens Rugby than I ever knew um, at the end of his podcast and chat that I had with him. That was really, really good. But look, yeah, I thought having the, the egg chasers on was great. Um, I know a lot of the listeners love that as well. It would have been so much better if only we'd won one bloody test against the Poms at some point. That, that would have helped it a bit. Um, and yeah, having... JB on there, uh, even though his comments, I think, you know, maybe could have got us done under the section 18C or something um, when, he was, <laughs> when he was talking about the um, foxes. Yeah, yeah, in the uh, you know, the, you know, commending to the nation type stuff. So uh, yeah, but yeah, he was he was yeah, he was uh, good value. So I yeah, my my vote there would go on the egg chasers. But by God, can we at least win one? <laughs> what about you, Hugh? Oh, no, yeah, look, the egg chasers, oh, I mean, just the gloating, the unprofessional nature of it, of, of them. I mean, we had Tim come on and, you know, very Donald Trump-esque, spout just lies. Australia yep. had the, the most unsuccessful season of all time. We all ate it up. Well, it was turns out it was a total lie. Uh, you know, post-truth well, I mean, post for you. Post-truth world, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and, and <laughs> where's the sanction? Where's the punishment? I think we shouldn't get him back. If he's going to treat our podcast like that and come on here with, you know, that, that sort of behaviour, well, well, he can tell his story walking as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, the, um, other than that, I mean, we, we, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to our, our one-offs, uh, uh, Jamie Miller and Brett Mackay, too, that, that oh, came yeah. in some, uh, yep. some some good contributions uh, as they always do um but um yeah look i, I think um i also liked um peter playford too i thought that was probably my favorite favorite interview of the year with a guy clearly so passionate about uh rugby in the nrc and clubs and everything so um yeah but um really it's the really i mean i, I only because it seems we can't vote for ourselves here or, or anyone on <laughs> any one of the three of us but uh yeah, the the uh, the bedrock of the podcast. I think we've I think we've uh, we've done well to still be here um, through through the year. Mm. Yeah, I know. The egg chasers were great guys. A lot of new listeners uh, from them, which we really appreciate. I wonder how many would have stuck around if the Wallabies actually did win one of those tests versus the, uh, <laughs> the English there. But um, uh, yeah, it was great to have the lads on there. I, I did enjoy listening to uh, their podcast. Uh, and then recording ours because quite often JB was a, a lot more damning of the Australians on, on the Egg Chaser podcast than he would be <laughs> when he came on ours. Um, uh, look, and, and Pete Plavitt, as you said, Hugh, I thought he was fantastic. But Blocker Dutton, I thought Blocker did a great job of sort of guiding us through the, all the, the turmoil was the, that was the Brumbies off-field um, uh, year as well. So oh. great to have them all on. Mate, every now and again, it's one of those things, it's almost like a Trump presidency where you kind of, you know, you go along in your day-to-day and you forget that something as horrific as that happened. 
Um, yeah. And then you remember it and go, oh. And that's like, that's that Brumby thing. Like, just remembering yeah. that again and going, oh, God, yes, that's still rolling on, right? So, oh, man, that's, yeah, that's pretty smelly down there. So, I don't know. Let's, yep. let's see if that thing gets any closer to being cleaned up next year. I, I, I suspect there's a lot of people hoping sleeping dogs keep lying on that one. Yeah, I think you're right. That we've moved on. Um, look, that's going to pretty much wrap us up. Matt, do you have any final words uh, as we wrap up the show for uh, another year? Oh, geez, Matt. Um, yeah, I, I guess one of the things was just to say that was a bloody bad year, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> just, just generally all round in just about every facet. Um, so, you know, for for those who felt that it was just about Australian rugby, if you look just about in any other direction, it was pretty crappy, wasn't it? Like, you know, yeah. whether, whether yeah. it was Brexit, whether it was Trump, um, whether it was like David Bowie bloody dying and, yep. and a bunch yep. of other people. And it seemed like Australian rugby just went with the vibe, you know, just basically yep. decided, yep, okay, you know, the rest of the world's have. Uh, rest of the world's having a shocker we're going to go with it um because it's pretty hard not to say that that was an absolute shocker um you know the uh, super rugby was a total shocker and then god to, you know losing four tests against the poms three of them at a home i went and saw two of them live um yeah god it just it kind of got worse didn't it and then in our worst in our list of worst bits we didn't even talk about you know losing to the Irish and then the Poms again by like a record margin. Yep. I mean, it, yep. it didn't get any better, did it? So I'm, look, I'm, I, this isn't exactly finishing on an up note, except to say, how can it be worse next year? Yep, I, exactly. I dare, and... I dare 2017, you can't get worse than that. <laughs> in, in don't a, dare it, don't in, 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 a, in a rugby, on a rugby landscape, I really struggle to think how we do, how we do worse than that. So things can only get better as the pop song says, mate. Yeah, exactly right. And we've been there all along the way, every step of the way, Green and Gold Rugby with you this year. We've appreciated the partnership with Eon Sports Radio and any new listeners we've got from them. It's been fantastic. Obviously, the Egg Chasers, who's thrown a few our way as well. So, look, this is going to wrap us up for the year. Um, a reminder, the website will remain functioning. We'll be kicking off uh, covering of the sevens and a few other things over the next couple of months. Uh, we'll kick off the show again, probably in the new year, lead up to the Sydney sevens, I guess. The Brisbane International Tens is there and the Super Rugby. Obviously, it all starts early February, so it'll be a, a busy time. We'll have a little time off now. Um, but until then, all our listeners um, have a happy and safe holiday period, and uh, we look forward to joining you all in the new year. To Matt and Hugh, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Oh, and look, just before we go, we've got to say thanks to yep. Bobus as well, Robert, during the year. Bobus, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he kind of faded out a bit through work commitments um, in the last few weeks, but um, he was a really solid member of the crew as well, and um, no doubt he'll be back next year. Yep, good stuff. Thanks again, listeners, and we'll catch you next year.